KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning and welcome along to KCL or live this Friday morning, the 18th of August. Just gone six minutes past ten. As always, our text and WhatsApp lines are open 083 306 9696. That's our Dinners Ready text and WhatsApp line. You can, of course, free phone us 1800 90 96 96 or email the show at the quick is ready and waiting to answer your emails. at 96fm.com. We've lots to come up between now and 12, myself and Una with you until then, including, of course, the Friday panel. And we've also managed to track down a little bit more information on uh, the hairy sign that we were talking about earlier on in the week. Hair-raising stuff, Brian. We also have two more Family Heritage gift cards to give away to lucky listeners this morning. This card gives you free access to all the amazing OPW sites that we've been hearing about right across the country all week now. All you've got to do, as always, is identify the heritage site that Ethna is talking about. So our first one this morning is from Carlo. Every year, hundreds of literary enthusiasts gather in my gardens to celebrate the beauty of the spoken word in my South Carlo home. What am I? If you know, you can text us. On our Dinner's Ready line, 083 306 9696. So get your guesses coming in if you want to be in with a chance to win. As always, keep them coming in. Now, Edwina Grace has been very busy for us this week. She's been out and about in lots of different locations. And today is no different because she's coming to us live from Craig Manor, the town of the book festival. Good morning to you, Edwina. Good morning, Brian, and, and what a fabulous place to be working from this morning. I'm sitting here in a lovely stone bench just beside the waterside um, here in Greg Namana, in front of the beautiful River Barrow as it flows onto the bridge between Kilkenny and Carlow, uh, looking towards uh, Mount Brandon as well. And Greg Namana, even though the festival it got officially launched last night with our own Ed- Edward Hayden, uh, but proceedings don't officially start until around about 12 noon today is when all of the bookshops will open. But already it's a hive of activity. The cafes have people sitting outside. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of chatting going on. Uh, and people very much gearing themselves up for what everybody here seems to be uh, expecting a really, really good weekend. And I was really interested to see that you know, businesses right across the town of Greg Manor, they'll all sort of become immersive book experiences for the <laughs> attendees, really, won't they? How do you turn a whole town into what is basically an extended library? Well, I think the type of uh, town that Greg Namana is, the way it's set out, lends itself beautifully, Brian, because you can park up at the edge of town and then you can walk in. And everywhere is within five, ten minutes maximum. Um, but literally every single business, every available space is given over to books. Uh, and a lot more beside, if you're not into reading, there are activities and even films um, and even just looking at today's uh, run of things. From nine o'clock until half past five, there's an open studio at the very well-known local business here, Cushendale Woolen Mills on Mill Road. So you can swing in there. And I know Miriam and all the gang there, they're so lovely and so friendly. And you can really see um, a, a, an ongoing family business and how it's managed to stay going. And, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a world where sustainability and everything else is key, um, you can see how they manage things here. Then, as I say, from 12 noon to 6 p.m., all the bookshops will open. 
So you'll get to see that. And then at six this evening, there's a talk by Larry Scallon, uh, Greg Namana, A Decade of Revolution, 1913 to 1923. That's at the library. At seven, Shem Caulfield takes over at the library with vernacular forged wrought iron field gates. And then from half eight tonight, the Cartoon Saloon, the multi-Oscar award nominated uh, studio in Kilkenny. They're going, they're Wolfwalkers, which uh, our own Ken Maguire has a, a bit part in. Um, and lots of others besides that's going to be screened here at the Barrow Valley Activities Hub and that's just today Brian you know then right across the weekend the bookshops will open tomorrow and Sunday from 10 o'clock and so much more too you have craft fairs you have painting and exhibition model ship exhibitions uh, fairy door making workshops drumming workshops loads and loads and already even I was chatting to well known local businesswoman here uh, Nula Barn. Uh, her shop, she's going to be open on Sunday, something she doesn't normally do. Um, other people tell me they're with pubs and cafes. They're excited because obviously when you come to something like this, you're feeling peckish. You might want to pick up a sandwich or a bite to eat or you want a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, um, juice or whatever. And so course, literally, as I'm looking across the river, this is the kind of event that raises all boats here, you know. And you've been uh, speaking to people in Gregnam, and we've got a couple of little clips of interviews that you've spoken to. Um, let's have a little listen to the first one, and then you can tell us who it was and what's their involvement. I live in Mitchell's pub. Um, I'm originally from Dublin, but my husband's Kilkenny man. And what do you think of Greg? Love it. Yeah, sure. I've been here a long time now, so I'm hopefully part of the community now. <laughs> but I'm still, I suppose, a blow-in. Um, but yeah, it's a great little town. It's great. And then this weekend, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, well, it's a 20-year anniversary, so it's it's a big deal, I suppose, in Greg. Um, and the community's really involved in it. And every year, you know, it's, it gets bigger and better, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, it's great to see the town kind of coming alive with Town of Books again this year. So it's brilliant. We're all very excited. So uh, lots of people out and about, Edwina. Great to get a sense of uh, how the locals enjoy the fair as well. Absolutely. And, you know... Brian, there's so much going on, and I know a lot of people over the years from various uh, visits that I've made to, to Greg, both for business and for pleasure, um, some people here would have felt they're kind of almost forgotten about in Greg Namana because they're so far removed from the urban centres, you know, but they've really rallied together here as a community, and they've, uh, you know, really good to support the businesses that are here and to help set up the new ones. And I suppose this is an occasion and an opportunity for a lot of people to come down and remind them that Greg Namana is here and what it's got to offer. Beautiful walks. They have their, their new uh, Solaire walk here as well over the last few years. They've got the camping hub and so much more besides. But, you know, it's, it's a gorgeous place uh, to come down with family, to come with friends, to come on your own even. There's always someone who'll talk to you. You know, they'll even talk to me, Brian. But, you know, it's just it's just a fabulous, fabulous uh, place, Greg Namana. And I think anyone who comes down this weekend will be reminded, yeah, do you know what? I must go back, get a picnic, go back with the family, uh, spend more time there yeah. uh, over the next while. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely the place, uh, one of the places to be this weekend. Of course, nearby in Inishtig, we have the Keeper Lit Festival too but already I've been speaking to people from Carlo, people from Kilkenny uh, and that's before like I said the actual events officially get underway here but it, it all underway at uh, Cushendale Woolen Mills uh, since 9 this morning until half past 5 with their open studio but then from 12 noon to 6 the bookshops open and literally everywhere you look yeah, there's sounds a book absolutely fantastic. And, you know you, you can get bargains too, you know, I, I know my husband uh, sneakily purchased me uh, a very rare collection of the, the Narnia books, you know, um, so we have those for Alice uh, one year, 
and just everything and anything, whatever you're into, it's going to be here in Greg. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Edwina Grace reporting live from Greg. And Edwina was also talking to people who are travelling to Greg for the book fair. Uh, a mother and daughter visiting all the way from Boris. Yeah. Okay, so guys, uh, are you from Greg or where are you from? We're actually from Boris, from Ballymurphy. Wait. Yeah, so I'm really looking forward now to the book festival this weekend. What is it you're most looking forward to? Um, I think it's the surprise of all the variety of the different books because you never know when you're walking into a shop what actually is there. So there's loads of variety. It's brilliant. Yeah. And how old are you? Eleven. And what do you make of it all? I love it because you get so much books and I love reading. Do you? Mm-hmm. And Greg Man, I suppose it's so accessible. Everywhere is so near to everywhere else. You know, you've got all of these outlets all with books of very different kinds but you don't have to travel too far no because we're only 10 minutes away yeah but it's very fun I love that it's very fun and I think a man that knows only too well how beautiful Greg Namana is and all the fun that's going to be happening there this weekend is Paul Kelly good morning Paul good morning how are you I'm not too bad. Now, you're co-founder and chief technology officer with Black Knight and you're lead sponsors of the Grignamana Town of Books Festival. I love that marriage of technology and the traditional book. Yes, absolutely. And, and one of the reasons this year was it's a big one for us as well. We're 20 years in business this year. So it's kind of a dual celebration for us. Um, and we've been working with a, with a bunch of different organisations to uh, to make the most of that 20 year celebration so it fitted really well between technology and uh, the arts and we, we do other um, events like the Cork Film Festival and Congregation in Kong and stuff like so it's all about the arts really a lot of our, our um, community driven sponsorship events this year which is brilliant 20 years in the tech industry Paul you've seen a lot of change Yes, absolutely. It's it's been you know it's been a trip you know from from broadband you know costing so much and and being you know so slow to today where you can get two gigs into the house on the side of Brandon Hill, you know it, it's it's been an amazing trip for us as as an organisation just evolving, um, and as a chief te- chief technology officer, uh, I'm I'm looked to often within the organisation to be the person that's driving the technology changes for the company over these years and just just seeing it uh, how it's grown and you know we, we look fondly back at the time when we we had contracts for connectivity in dublin and there were silly amounts of money for tiny amounts of bandwidth like dial-up type speeds almost and these days you can you can get a, a connection to london for a fraction of the cost you, you could 20 years ago it's just it's an amazing time to, to be involved in tech to be honest well you look you look forward you look fondly back but do you look fondly forward Paul is the question to the whole AI and all the changes that we're inevitably going to see as a result of that in the tech world how does that make you feel those of you who are dependent on technology to make a good living yeah, it's a great question um, there's a lot of fear about AI but it certainly has its place um, like a lot of stuff we do on our phones today, like say your iPhone or your typical Android, there's so many little things you can do that, like say take a picture, for example, in your iPhone, you go into your, and you double tap the picture on a person and you press and hold the person, you can actually lift the image of the person out of that. And that's AI. You know, the, the AI is able to determine that that's a human being and to pull them out of the image. And then you can copy and paste that person into another image. Like we're, we're using it every day excuse me, without even knowing. And for us as a business where we see it helping is is with customer service. You know, we, we, we see a lot, we, we get thousands, like literally somewhere in the region of 
uh, I think seven to eight thousand queries a month from customers about how can I, how do I do this, how do I do that, you know, and and obviously we have um, a help desk that people can use, and you can there's a search in there. But in, in the future, I would see um, more AI-based interactions, at least initially. So the first interaction might be with something that's a, a, an AI-driven uh, system that will try and, and use those large language models, LLMs we hear people talking about, which are basically take a million or billion words in context of, of the formation of a sentence and try and understand what a person is asking. So that, that's the, the basic premise of, of a lot of the large language models is to contextualize the question. Because a question to a computer today is just a string of words. Words are meaningless without understanding what the words are actually asking for. Um, so th those, those, those changes are going to help humanity. Obviously, there's the negative elements that we can think of that, you know, what if an AI becomes so popular or so powerful and then decides that we're the problem, you know, and, and it tries to kill us a la you know, Terminator and, and those types of movies. I don't see that. I think we're uh, probably a decade or two from what they call artificial general intelligence or AGI as it's referred to. Um, but just definitely from a technology standpoint, every, every organization will see some amount of AI creeping in. And it won't just be technology companies. It'll be retailers. Well, absolutely. Businesses, etc. Yeah, and I think Paul. I mean, I don't. You need to go that far down the line of of fear, fearing what's to come without realizing that it is going to change massively. See the arts, for example, that you mentioned, and it does pose a threat. I think to your authentic artist that is trying to present themselves and what they have to offer and I think all of those kind of questions and problems are really going to surface over the next years. Do you think? Yeah agree with you there um for example just on on the uh, say an autobiography right so much is known about individuals in the wild on the internet between their facebook and everything else you could write an autobiography for quite a lot of people using an ai and no one would ever know that it wasn't the actual author that did it but the downside of that is is that you know someone could take an ai write a story about someone or something presented as their own but effectively all they did was type a couple of questions into uh, you know chat gpt or whatever and then collate the answers and put them out there it, it it's troubling it's troubling because you, you see you know we're talking about wolf walkers so some movies and i know that's an animated uh, film but just think about actors and actresses and you know the effort that they put in to make a movie a movie it's not just about the script it's, it's all about what they can do if you take the people out of those i, I don't think that an AI will be able to be as emotive as a human being will be. Certainly, you know, it'll it'll take a long time for that. But it it will affect it will affect it. Like we we see CVs been written by ChatGPT. Uh, we see articles been written, and and you can just telltale signs. But the thing is, they're improving so rapidly. The telltale signs are are becoming less and less obvious. And that's only going um, yeah. to continue. But I wonder, Paul, do you think there's any chance that we will go so far down the tech capacity line and then we'll just reject it and think this is actually not enhancing how we live our lives, how we do business, how we function day to day. Is there any turning back from this or, you know, I mean, I suppose that would be a revolution. Would you in the tech world ever foresee that? It's a great question, and I have a little analogy just on, on you know, how technology has supposedly improved our lives. 
So say in the 60s, you, you drove into a petrol station, someone came up, they filled your car, they checked your oil for you, they topped up your window washers, they washed your windscreen, they took the money all the time without you getting out of your car, right? And you got your change. And today, if you want to, say, drive to a, a service station and charge an electric car, you need apps and cards, you have to get out, you have to plug in. In some ways, we've progressed so much from a technology standpoint, but in others, we have regressed. And it, it's how do we get a, uh, you know, a, a good mix of in, increases in technology, but also the human factor improves over time as well. It's a really interesting it's a massive uh, question. way to look at it. And we'll definitely yeah. be talking more and more about that, Paul Kelly. There is no doubt about it. Co-founder and Chief uh, Technology Officer at Black Knight. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the festival. And thanks for talking to us this morning. We'll take a Cheers. short break. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie KCLR Welcome back. You're tuned to KCLR Live with Una Downing and Brian Redmond. 083 306 9696 if you want to get in touch about anything or if you want to give our Heritage Society a guest that number that you need to dial. Now it's this time of year again. I don't know how that music makes you feel, but I'm joined online by Ollie Hennessy. Ollie, Ollie has been the musical director of the Rosa Tralee Festival for 20... This is your 26th year, Ollie. Am I right in saying that? It is, unfortunately. I started when I was 12, Una. Yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. But that's yes. quite a commitment to a festival, isn't it? Have you enjoyed it? Absolutely. Well, it's more of a commitment to, to the RT event. Um, and I just filled in for one year back in 1996. And uh, it just kept going from there so I must be doing something right or you wrong definitely but I can't are. get rid of me one or the other It's that thing Ollie where you do too good a job and they won't let you go but tell us a little bit from a musical perspective what is it like for you there's lots of bits and pieces to it I imagine that that's quite a lot of pressure Absolutely. Yeah we, we get every kind of style and over the years we've had opera singers classical violinists rap artists dancers of all descriptions comedians you know it's uh, it's very diverse, so you have to be fairly alert. The fact that they're all not professional performers, <laughs> you really have to be alert to, to keep an eye on things. You know? but, but this year, believe it or not, is quite good. Some stunning performances this year, yeah. That's great. Ollie, dear I ask you, yeah. have there ever been performances where you said, look, I just, I just would not sing this? Did you ever have um, to give that professional advice? <laughs> we give them advice, yeah. But it, and then, listen, some of the best singers some years don't get to sing because of so much to talk about they will lose that two minutes in the conversation with Dahi. Um, and and that's, that's what happens. It's a production decision whether it is or not nowadays. But 20 years ago when I was doing it, everybody was allowed to sing regardless of standards, you know. So are there so, some contestants who have a song lined up but they say so much that it's goodbye and good luck? They don't get to do their, yeah. their piece? Yeah, it can happen, yeah. That's it's all about the flow of the programme because we have ad breaks every... 20 minutes or so mm-hmm. so we you get three roses in there or four roses or whatever depending on, on the times so uh, it, it varies and things have to be dropped even at late stages sometimes you know but overall it'll be a very entertaining event this year of course we have Carlos from Thomas on stage this year as well and what do you think of that edition Ali? It, it'll be fantastic to see a, a woman's perspective I presume the interviews will be different do you know um, yet how it's going to actually no, no, flow we, we between them on stage on 
Seem to have lost Ollie there. Maybe we'll try and get Ollie back on the call in just a moment. Uh, but you can hear there is some noise going on in the background. And the reason for that noise is currently on her way to that Rose Festival, Una, believe her or not. I don't know how much how much sensibility we're going to get out of somebody with all of those voices around them. Is Quiva Deering, the Carla Rose. Good morning, Quiva. How are you? Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, great. So we believe you're currently on the track, on the bus, on the way to the Rose Festival. Is that correct? That is correct. We are on the en route now uh, to Chile. So um, the bus is a bit manic at the minute. We're trying to get all our stuff together. We're after been living on it for the last week. So um, <laughs> we're trying to trying to pack it all up now. Um, but yeah, we're on the way. We can't wait to get down there. If possible, has the excitement level even increased further this morning as all of those Rose contestants for this year get ready to head towards the festival itself? Oh, 100%. Like, you'd be so tired when you wake up in the morning and then you're just straight away buzzed. Um, I think this morning was the, the best buzz we've all had, um, leaving Limerick, because we're all so excited down to Tralee to see our family, our friends. Yeah, and just start the weekend um, start the weekend off. Well, let's talk Talk us through the last week. I mean, we've spoken about the process of becoming elected, Rose. Um, how have you enjoyed the... Uh, the because it is really a, a national tour of sorts, isn't it? Yeah, like I didn't realise when I went for the roles how how much touring you do, um, and for counties it's so great to have the tourism aspect of it because obviously there's 32 girls walking down these streets, it draws people in, um, it has just been out of this world. I know it sounds cliche, but it's, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and we've just had the best time, and it's only going to get better now. I think by just when we get down to Chile, so yeah, it, it's been amazing, mind blowing. I I didn't expect anything like this, so. Yeah, yeah. And you, are you feeling a bit of pressure now that uh, you're representing the people of Carlo <coughs> and the day is getting fairly close to dawning on us now when you'll take to that stage with uh, Dohi O'Shea and Catherine Thomas look I wouldn't say pressure I obviously want to do my county proud and my family and friends um, I think when we're in this bubble um, of everyone with the 30, other, 31 other girls you don't feel pressure because we're all in the exact same boat um, maybe now today when I get down and see my family and friends um, I might feel it a bit more but as of now I think we're all just kind of in the same boat and we're all there for each other so and yeah, has there been really really looking forward to it Has there been much, uh, car, uh, much uh, sort of partying shall we say is that something that's befitting of a Rose candidate? Ah, we, we've had the odd, the odd late <laughs> night, so... <laughs> yeah. We can, yeah, yeah, we can. I'd hate it, but didn't want to comment on it. And Una's just pointed to her own throat as well. I think there's possibly a bit of a sense of jealousy, Una, there. Do you wish you were on that bus with all those roses <laughs> heading for Tralee? I'd say it's amazing. Quiv, I'm wondering, are you singing? Because it'll be nice to have a fellow Carlo uh, native there directing, if that is the case. I'm not singing. I'm just better having the chat. So whoever I'll be chatting to on stage, I'll... I'll just be having the chat so I'm not performing okay well that takes a bit of pressure off do you know yet who's going to be interviewing you no we well, you know not like oh. that um, I don't even think we know until we're basically told on Monday or Tuesday so and I'm going to ask you a little bit of a, a pushy question if it is a case that it's not necessarily both um, presenters on stage at the same time would you prefer to be interviewed by uh, another Carlo legend in Catherine Thomas or would you prefer uh, to have the banter with Dahi what would be your choice if you were given the choice I don't I don't really think I have a choice to be honest like I either I know, I know you don't Catherine. but what I was asking is if you did what would you choose um, look it'd be great to have Catherine but Dahi is equally as good so um, I 
I wouldn't really have a reference to be honest um, either or both would be great but sure we just have to wait and see what happens on Monday or Tuesday now Kiva I know you've probably asked the rest of your fellow roses to be nice and quiet in the background while you do this interview and I'm sure they're all doing plenty of interviews as well but we want to enjoy the noise of the bus on the way down um, in a moment we're going to be speaking to uh, Molly Coogan who's one of our own who enjoys the Rose Festival but before we uh, we're also going to try and get Ollie back on the line as well but before we do that um, would you ask all of your fellow roses to give a big shout out to KCL or um, I, I don't think would they, would they shout out up Carlo for us maybe? Um, I'll ask them out. Uh, one second. Yeah, we're going to do it now. Are you ready? Off you go. Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah, great to see the team Thank spirit you. there as well. Well, listen, from ourselves here at KCLR, and I'm sure from everybody in Carlo, best of luck for the festival ahead. Kiva Deering heading down to Carlo, not to Carlo, she's heading from Carlo, I suppose, down to Tralee on the bus with all of the other roses. Uh, and we're going to try and get uh, Ollie back on the line before we speak to Molly Coogan. Oh, Ollie, are you with us? I'm here, yeah. Oh, Ollie, wonderful to have you back. Sorry, the line wasn't great there, but we were talking about the addition of Catherine Thomas and we just spoke there with Quiva yeah. Deering. She isn't singing, yeah. she was telling us. You'll be disappointed to hear. I might talk her into a jet. You, you should know. do. Twist that arm. <laughs> Although she's... A lot, she's, a lot of them lose. Yeah, Yeah, on. she's been enjoying the festivities and she said her throat's a little bit on the dry side. It's, well, listen, Ollie, we have um, lots to look out for and to get excited about yeah. with um, Quiva and with yourself there as always. It's a great honour for us to see you looking so Absolutely. regal as you always do in the tux. And oh, gosh. I hope you have... Do you get the full night's sleep, by the way? Over the yes, course well, of the I week. I was in bed last night here at 8 o'clock and started working at 7 this morning. So we have production meetings all morning today and we'll start to meet the first of the roses this afternoon when they get here. Yeah, That's a that's a, a very impressive discipline that had you in bed at 8 o'clock. There you go. Do well, you yeah. tend <laughs> over the years, Ollie, to think, OK, that, that's definitely the winning rose and do you get it right? Um, you, you would have three or four favourites in your head but the last six years I've gotten it wrong you never know you, you never, know. never know and I was just saying someone during it's the week really what, yeah. sorry Ollie but it often is the person that doesn't come across quite so well in the interview that has got a lot of depth to them and we don't we necessarily see that as viewers right. and maybe you don't either but listen have a fantastic week I hope you enjoy it and we look forward to seeing it next week that's great. Thanks so much. Thanks, William. And of course, we need Thanks. to go to our own Rose, really, because uh, Molly Coogan, current Kilkenny Rose, we'll talk about that in the moment, also does quite a lot of work with us here at Casey Laura's joined us on WhatsApp. Molly, uh, are you experiencing a little bit of jealousy this morning, listening to the atmosphere on the bus, on the couch with all the girls heading down? Good morning, Brian. I'm just thinking back to how we lost all of our voices last year. <laughs> um, but it's, it's great. I'm just so happy for them, really, rather than jealous. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, unusually, you are still technically, and will remain for, I believe, the next 12 months, the Kilkenny Rose, because uh, if I understand rightly, there isn't actually a Kilkenny participant in the Rose Festival this year. Yeah, they changed the format a little bit since COVID as well, so they're kind of alternating. So I was Kilkenny last year, and then we'll be selecting the next Kilkenny Rose in March of next year. But then for this year, we've got Carlo, and we've got Leash, and we've got Offaly. So they all get a turn. So it's nice that way as well. It's their second year and everyone gets to go the whole way to Tralee. 
and it's brilliant for us here at KCLR at the moment because technically we're one of the few radio stations in the country that actually have two roses within our broadcast area. Um, <laughs> will you actually be heading down to the festival yourself this year? I will. I'll be hopping in the car as soon as I'm off the phone and I'll be going down nice and early. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be trying to catch up with the coach. So what's your involvement down there this year? Are you just going along as a, a, a interested spectator or have you got some official capacity as the current Kilkenny Rose? Pretty much just a spectator. They're really good to us in that they're hosting a reunion for us. So a lot of the girls and a lot of the escorts from last year will be heading down today and tomorrow. And then on Saturday evening, we have our own reunion in the Meadowlands Hotel. And then Sunday evening, the Rose Hotel is doing a reunion for all past Roses and Escorts from all the years. And then I'll be in the audience on the Monday and Tuesday nights for the TV nights. Yeah. Um, uh, have you packed the sash? <laughs> I do have the sash, but it probably won't be making an appearance. We don't want to cause any confusion <laughs> down there about who is last year and who is this year. But I have my little badge that says Kilkenny Rose 2022. So that'll be definitely making an appearance. And those type of things, I mean, they'll stay with pride with you, I suppose, right throughout your whole life. Um, did you really enjoy the honour of representing Kilkenny last year as our Rose? It was so special and people talk about it and how special it is. And you don't really get it until you're a part of it. And just as well, the small communities like Castlecomer for me, everyone was so supportive and everyone was so excited. Like people from Castlecomer that... I maybe did panto with or I kind of knew from football and stuff. They came down to Tralee as well, just because, you know, there was something on and everyone was excited about it. So I know exactly how Quiva must be feeling, the support that she must be getting and how exciting it is, really. It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. There's nothing like it. Well, listen, Molly, I don't want to delay you from getting down there to enjoy all the fun of the festival, but I am going to put a little bit of a dampener on your weekend because we'd love you to come and join us on the show on Monday. So will you make sure you go to bed nice and early on Sunday evening and rest that voice so you're beautifully clear for all our listeners on Monday morning? I will. I'll buy some strepsils on the way down such today. A, you're <laughs> such a liar. But whatever sort of state you're in, enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we look forward to talking to you here on Monday morning. Molly Coogan, the Kilkenny Rose, on her way to enjoy everything Rose of Tralee this weekend. It's 22 minutes to 11 o'clock. And we'll be back after this short break with another opportunity for you to listen to our heritage clue for this morning. KCL Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR Welcome back to KCLR Live with Una Neville Downing and Brian Redmond. Now don't forget, you've still got time to get your entries in for our Heritage Week. Guess the Heritage site. Here's our clue coming up and we'll give you one more chance to get your entries in. Every year, hundreds of literary enthusiasts gather in my gardens to celebrate the beauty of the spoken word in my South Carlo home. What am I? So a family heritage gift card is up for grabs if you can guess that site. 083 306 9696. Get your entries in. We'll be announcing the winner just before 11 o'clock. Now, earlier on this week, our ethnic quirk was scratching her head when she saw this hairy sign down around the swimming area in Bagnellstown and we set about working out what on earth it was and we have the answer. I'm joined on the line now by the artist who is Neve Shauna Meehan. Good morning Neve Shauna. 
Hi, Irina. How are you? I'm not too bad. So you really had some of the swimmers down around Bagnallstown wondering if you were trying to tell them something with your um, installation. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, the actual term, Harry, it comes from a larger body of work, which I'm calling a watery glossary. And um, it's just trying to find language around um, like bodies being in water, whether that's seawater, river, lakes, etc. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's, yeah, I guess it's like a strange word, but um, it's... I wanted like a word that would kind of capture people in the water and kind of question like, oh, well, what's this word actually saying or what does it mean? But yeah, it's part of the larger body of language. Well, I think it definitely did that and it definitely got people wondering, but it makes perfect sense. You hit the cold and the hairs on your arms stand up. So I think it works really well. How did you actually make it? What is it made from? Um, Yeah, so it's made from... um, MDF sheets of wood and um, Mark and Leah and Richard, their technician from Winnebiog Arts, um, like they were amazing in the install of it. And um, yeah, I really couldn't have done it without them because it was a bit of a technical project, which, um, yeah, I, like Richard, their technician was really great. Did it take you long to get it to where it is now, or to get it up and running and get it done? Yeah, no, it did, yeah, and just also, like, the selection of the word as well, um, just because, you know, it's just one word, it's, that even in itself was kind of, like, difficult to kind of pick the right word, so to speak, and, yeah, just the install of it as well, like, getting it, you know, they're installed in the river bank, and, yeah, it was, like, a bit of a process. And what other words made the shortlist, I'm wondering? Uh, the other word was um, shy, actually, which, um, yeah, I think just again, like getting into water and, you know, some people don't always feel like comfortable in the water and I kind of played about with that word as well. But I thought um, Harry, you know, I thought it was better. And also I'm doing a flotation on Sunday and some of the drinks I'm making from forage plants and one of the plants that I use is cleavers and actually cleavers as a plant is like extremely hairy and sometimes when I might walk in with my dog like it always get caught it gets caught in her and so there's it's kind of like quite a there's a lot of little like points to the word hairy so there's yeah. a connection there and tell us about the flotation yeah it probably sounds a lot more elaborate um, than what it is because actually the concept of like floating is quite simple so um yeah I've, I've kind of spent some time recently going to like flotation tanks and um like trying to practice this concept of stillness and slowing down and trying to like unwind the body so yeah we're gonna be on the river barrow and I've made these like little um, buoyancy aids, like these little flotations that kind of sit um, against the neck as like a rest. And there's also points, you know, to use your hands as well to help you stabilize the float a bit more. So it's just a simple concept of like lying back on the river and just trying to find stillness and trying to let go of thoughts and which actually it's, sounds really simple but to remain still to remain flat it for, like it is challenging for the body 
it's very challenging and especially um, on water I think where we might you know your natural yeah. fear might k- kick in or your subconsciousness as you said you know like you're feeling a little bit shy and a little bit aware of yourself so can, can anyone just rock up and, and float along with you yeah so um Winnebuke Arts they have uh, their grassroots programs up on their website um which is just winnebukearts.com and there's an event bright link there um and you can sign up that way but even if you want to come down in the day everyone is more than welcome you don't have to have any experience just bring you know your swim stuff and get in the water or you can just you know look at the flotation um, along the river bank as well and as I said there's a hot drink provided for anyone that wants it but yeah everyone's more than welcome to come well it sounds amazing a, a hot drink that's been foraged which is an added I think attraction to it yeah uh, Shauna, you'll be glad to know because I know you're Armagh based but you'll be glad to know that you got us talking about your installation and it's really <laughs> interesting and I think your event on Sunday sounds equally exciting and hopefully people will come along and and join that so thank you so much for coming on with us this morning to talk about it I think we will take a little piece of music maybe this is that ice cold Michelle fight for that white gold This one for them hood girls Them good girls Straight masterpieces Styling, wildin', living it up in the city Got chucks on with Saint Laurent Gotta kiss myself, I'm so pretty I'm too hot Call the police and the fireman I'm too hot Make a dragon wanna retire, man I'm too hot Say my name, you know who I am I'm too hot And my band bought that money Break it down Girls hit you hallelujah Girls hit you hallelujah Girls hit you hallelujah Cause Uptown Funk gon' give it to you Cause Uptown Funk is helping us get our Friday funk on there now coming up after this break we're going to be telling you who's won the heritage card this hour KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. It is six minutes to 11 o'clock this Friday morning. Brian and Una with you until 12. Um, we've got a, a winner for you, first of all, on the first of our Heritage Clues this morning. Congratulations to Maureen O'Brien picking up that OPW family pass. We have another one coming and another clue after uh, the news at 11 o'clock. And for the first time today, we have to do this. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kilkenny, visit lahart's.ie. 
So, the way you take part in this is we're going to play a clue in a moment. It's a very short little clip of something. If you can identify what that something is, you need to text or WhatsApp us 083. 306-9696. It's all to celebrate the ID range of electric vehicles from the good people at La Hearts. Um, text us WhatsApp is what your guess is. And at the moment in time, as it is standing on this Friday the 18th of August, it's worth €100. Euros. If it's not guessed correctly today, that number doubles for Monday. It is the short clue. We do have a slightly longer version of that. Una, I've just thought of something. Uh, we promised that we'd tell you what the actual answer was after the show yesterday. We still didn't do it. It's quite okay. I'm kind of enjoying my misery <laughs> at this point. <laughs> enjoying your misery, well, I hope. Uh, if you're enjoying your misery at home, maybe you'll have a little light bulb moment and you might be able to identify what it is. Get those entries in. 083 306 The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit laharts.ie. Yes, you're with Brian and Una this morning. Um, the Rose Tralee Festival, Una, we had great vibes this morning. Is it something that you will sit down and enjoy from start to finish as a televisual spectacular? 100% not, because I don't have the attention span to sit through all of that. But I will say, when I was 21, three years ago, or thereabouts I celebrated my 21st down in at that festival and it was it was brilliant it was kind of wild there's a brilliant atmosphere down there and it was just great so I've got very fond memories but I, I would definitely not be able to sit through the televised event two nights in a row just You're more of a wild child you'd rather be down there partying with them all rather than sitting at home sipping your cocoa watching I believe it's two nights of Rose Festival this year Two nights but it, it always is it's two nights and it's but I do think it's a nice way to get people talking did you see this did you see that there's always a couple of highlights and it is a bit exciting but actually what I what I was going to ask um, Ollie earlier was does it have a future or is it about to get the heave hole oh, um, I think it does I think it's one of those things that's so ingrained within Irish culture now at this stage. Um, you know, people would argue are there elements of it that are maybe consigned to history. I think, you know, maybe the festival organisers are trying to address the fact that we've only ever had a singular male host in the multiple hosts throughout the years. Catherine Thomas going in there this year. They've changed a lot of the festival rules over the last couple of years. I think, do you not believe that there's a future for the Rose of Festival? I mean, festival? I'm not sure, but I, I do think that it speaks hugely about the community spirit in Kerry. When they do something something they really do it don't they like they took a relatively small festival and they turned it into an international event and fair play to them like great credit due to the to them for that but I just wonder has it lost a little bit of its appeal it'll be interesting to see how many people are watching does it get the same level of chat that it that it usually does I mean I don't know I think it will I think you know you look at social media platforms you know the two evenings uh, they'll be absolutely lit up with people talking about it but here's the thing I think the Rose Festival is one of those things that people are a little bit coy about admitting that they actually watch. I think if somebody else opens the, 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 the conversation around the water coolers on Monday and Tuesday morning and something interesting has happened, people will then want to be involved. Oh yes, I was watching, but I'm not quite sure they'll be the ones to actually open up those conversations. Do let us know, maybe. Are you a Rose fan? Will you be tuned in? Will you be maybe down there going to support the Rose Festival and to enjoy it? 083 306 9696. We'll be back with you after this little short break. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie Thanks, Ashling. It's nearly the weekend. Would you be a Rose fan? 
I've never watched it. You, oh, no, 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 no. That's probably pushing it too far now, <laughs> I have to say. You've never watched... No. I, I, yeah, to be honest. Why? I, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, it never really appealed to me, I guess. I don't know if I can say that. Well, uh, no, that's okay. Yeah. You know, people, different things appeal to different people. Um, are you not afraid that you'd be missing out on those water cooler moments on Monday morning when everybody's talking about what Dahi O'Shea got up to and, oh my God, did you see that rose that absolutely embarrassed herself see, on live TV? I'm not in on Monday, so it's okay. Ah. <laughs> I get away with it. <laughs> yeah, you get away with it. Well, listen, if it's a big rose festival, those can, you know conversations could continue right the way through until Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah, so I might be yeah a little bit out the loop then. Mm, okay, well, listen, check it out on social media. And, of course, you're going to be too busy prepping the news over the weekend and doing everything else that needs that needs to be done. Staying on top of the important exactly. topics of conversation. <laughs> Ashley Bolton-Dowling, as always, a pleasure. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again on Monday morning. KCL or live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Yes, of course, the show continues right the way through till 12. It's Friday, so that means Friday panel day and we're continuing our conversations around Heritage Week uh, in a moment. Una will be talking to uh, Lynn Keane, museum team and I'll be chatting to Alan Sullivan about the Heritage Festival and its entirety, Heritage Week running right across the country but we're only interested in what's going on in Kilkenny and Carlow. Um, Alan O'Sullivan is the Heritage Officer from Carlow County Council but of course you're involved too because we've got two Family Heritage gift cards to give away um, to lucky listeners. We've given one array already this morning um, the next one is available in the next few minutes. It's an OPW site access card for right across the country. And all you have to do is identify this heritage site that Etna is talking about. I've been a place of history and worship in the heart of Kilkenny since the 6th century. My tower gives amazing views of the city. What am I? Oh, 0833069696 if you think you know where that site in Kilkenny is so get your entries in and we'll be announcing a winner before 12 o'clock today as Brian said I'm joined in the studio here by Lynn Keane of the Medieval Mile Museum Lynn I'm guessing you've had a busy week we have and we've had a bit of a busy time running up to this week as a, it does take a bit of preparation um, we've had several kind of special tours on throughout the week. We've had our uh, Digging Deep tour, which is exploring medieval burial and and our fantastic graveyard. Uh, We did a a project on making medieval bread because some of it is slightly different to what we'd be used to. So the the taste testing of that was was great fun. And what does it taste like? Um, Really strange because it has peas in it. Peas as in? Peas as in a pea flour. Oh, and what else is in it to counter uh, that taste? Oats, believe it or not. Um, it's so it's n- a pea porridge. It's kind of, it's made with pea and oat flour rather than wheat flour. Okay. Than like what we would have. It's more like a flatbread. It smells vile. <laughs> You're not saying what I have to say. <laughs> I don't have a grow to go and get myself some. So you had a little workshop on that. And what else have you had? We have also had a series of talks on um, William Collis. Uh, he was from Kilkenny. He was the first man to mechanise um, polishing, grinding and boring our Kilkenny limestone or our Kilkenny marble. He's also responsible for a lot of our architecture throughout the city. So we have a, another talk on Sunday all about William. 
and our Cats and Witches tour, which has been hugely popular. And tell us what that's what's involved in that. Cats and Witches tour. Well, we're going to highlight our own our own witch from Kilkenny, our Alice Kittler, and her connection to cats. She was the the first witch to be connected to cats. And we kind of explore a little bit about herbalism and, you know, the connections. The connections. Well, what was her connection to cats? Uh, she had a sense of humour. <laughs> she had a cat. Okay. And I think she'd named it Lucifer or Satan or something similar like this. And it was actually brought into evidence in her trial. Okay. Mm. As evidence of her her. Of her evil wanton ways yes okay. yes yes. very good so you've had a great week and have your numbers been good throughout the week and indeed throughout the summer Lynn have you had loads of people coming and, and checking out the lovely site itself and, and all there is to be seen there we have we have and it seems to be kind of building all the time and what is actually lovely is we're getting a lot of local people in and because this building has been in the centre of the city for so long, it's lovely to hear people sharing their memories of St. Mary's, like uh, Irish dancing and playing badminton, you know, once it had stopped being a church. And, you know, family connections with, with the building. It's it's absolutely lovely. And, you know, I attended a wedding, actually, in the museum this summer. And I was quite fascinated by how you turned it into whoever was responsible for this. I don't know. But it, it looked very much like a particularly beautiful church as we were walking in. It is. It is. Our our events team are amazing. Um, the building is is purpose made. It's made for singing. It's made for celebration. You know, it's it's original use, but it does look stunning when, it it's, when it? it's all done up. Yeah. And have many weddings happened there? Or is that a new thing that's come in in recent years, or or when did that start? Um, it's it's getting more and more popular uh, as civil weddings are becoming more and more popular. Um, it's just a fantastic venue. Um, and especially if you have, you know, someone singing or music, it, it just echoes through the oh, building. The, it's beautiful. the music was absolutely stunning there, I have to say. But I guess that's a big deal for you as well, because it's bringing another aspect to your business that it does create a lot of work because you've got to shut down shops, set it up as a wedding venue and then business as usual the next day or whenever the, the, the crowd is left. Absolutely. It, it can be quite a, a stressful day because you're trying to make it somebody's best day of their lives. Um, but like I said, the, the events team ha- have it all in hand. They're 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 pretty good at the, what they do. So uh, and the place great. itself really lends itself to, to to that, doesn't it? So, Lynn, talk us through what's what's left in the museum for the rest just as we finish out Heritage Week. So, uh, unfortunately, our Cats and Witches tour is fully booked for Saturday. OK. Uh, we have William Collis on Sunday. There's snippets of the bread making that's still on our social media platforms. And uh, so we're going to be getting ready for, for next month. We are going to be starting our graveyard tours. OK, so they start up again in September. Yeah, uh, we're doing special graveyard only tours from 3 p.m. every day. So. so it's a tour of and, and what sort of level of detail could you expect if you went along on one of those? So we do give a, a, a kind of brief outline of history. Um, we want to show off some of our fantastic tombs and some of our burial vaults and kind of talk about medieval burial and how different it was to, to what we would be used to today. How many people are buried on that site do you know? You mightn't have an accurate figure obviously. We but don't have an accurate figure. Um, it has been going up and up and up over the years because 
the research continues. Um, I think the latest estimate was probably about 60,000 burials. Okay, so it's it's quite substantial, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I highly recommend a visit to the museum. It's even if you're just looking at how tremendously beautiful it is and you don't take all the other many facts and, and interesting things with you, it's worth it just for the visit alone. So we wish you well with the rest of the week and with the, the month ahead. Thank you very, very much. It's been a fabulous week of heritage on the show here and obviously Heritage Week running right across the country. Um, but uh, one of the people who's been predominantly responsible for the whole schedule of programmes in the Carlow area in particular, Owen O'Sullivan, Heritage Officer with Carlow County Council, joins us on the line this morning. Owen, um, not quite finished yet, but certainly the bulk of Heritage Week delivered. Have you been really happy with how it's gone so far? Hi, good morning, Brian. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant week. Um, look, I'm sure it's the same across the country. Uh, there's been a, just uh, honestly a phenomenal response from the communities around Carlo. Um, some lovely projects have got funded. They've done events. Some great people have literally come out of the woodwork, breathed life, breathed life into Heritage Week Forest in Carlo. Yeah, it's just been go, go, go. Great response, and uh, I, I, I love all the communities for what they've done. So it's it's a real buzz around Carlo. Of course, we've had a couple of guests in studio every day this week. It's amazed me the diversity of topics that we've covered within Heritage Week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I suppose that's where you know we're always keen that even the school children are learning, and so many kids have come to this. It's really, it's really trying to get it into the next generation. But yeah, I mean, as we say built natural and cultural the three branches of heritage but look it's, it's right down into the heart of it I mean I, I had great conversations with people in the week kind of going look you know what exactly literally kind of saying what is heritage and I'm, I'm talking about people in their 50s and 60s so Heritage Week is, is starting that conversation and that conversation will continue thankfully for a long time to come um, and look it, it, it is in us we just have to you know we just have to take a minute stop and kind of acknowledge what we have and, and kind of blow our own trumpet a little bit. You know? Of course, Owen, you've still got a few bits and pieces to wrap up, you know, as we come towards the end of it. Um, what's left to be done in Heritage Week? What's the key events that we've still got left taking place? Key events, I suppose, uh, for Carlo, just today, uh, we have a nice little walk around Carlo, weather-dependent, admittedly. Um, but after that, we're going to then have a little interview on the Street Name Project with Dr. Eve Campbell and Pat O'Neill of Chaz. And then two lovely ones tomorrow, just to answer that question I suppose out in Hackettstown we have uh, Paul Maguire from the Military Museum in Carlo doing a pop-up museum in Hackettstown and also a really good community group out there the uh, Hackettstown Biodiversity Garden community led they took land from Carlo County Council and have done beautiful work so it's just to do uh, a couple of activities for children and oh yeah and finally sorry if I can um Carlo Birdwatch in Cabranishwood as well. So sorry yeah. to have gone those, but look, great stuff, great excitement. Well, congratulations on a fabulous week of heritage so far. You'll probably take a bit of a, a breather and a sigh at some point next week, but I'm sure planning a foot already for Heritage Week next year. Absolutely. I, in fact, this morning I was just having, we, we, we took the exchange, lovely building here in Carlo, and we're kind of seeing how we can ramp it up from the success we've had this year. And yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know what's lovely? So many people have come up and kind of said, oh, I must get in touch with you. We've done something or we'd like to do something. So, yeah, it, it, onwards and upwards, you know. Well, listen, congratulations on a fabulous programme of events, not just here in Kilkenny and Carlow, but indeed right across the country. Ona Sullivan there, Heritage Officer with Carlow County Council. And, of course, the weather will play a huge part in the remainder of those events.
that are planned for the weekend this afternoon into tomorrow um, and earlier on this morning I spoke to Niall Dollard from Kilkenny Weather to get a view as to what lies ahead of us for the weekend Good morning Niall um, so again changeable weather this week what's it looking like for the weekend? Well it's starting off rain not too bad uh, today Friday but in the afternoon some heavy rain which had been forecast earlier is expected to come in over the, co- in the country given you know quite heavy totals between say 4pm and midnight and then following that towards the end of the day into the small hours we're expecting some very strong winds as well southeast winds later veering southwesterly and Met Erin have issued a yellow wind warning for that and is that weather warning um, countrywide or is it specific to our region it's, it's mostly for the southeast the south and east parts of Ireland are going to get the worst wind on this occasion and in terms of that wind and rain that's due to come in how long are we expecting that to last the rain will last mostly between about 4pm and midnight and then following that the strong winds well just up a little bit before midnight we'll see the winds freshening up and by about 6am tomorrow Saturday the winds will be dying down at that stage Okay, so as we move and wake up out of our beds and slumber tomorrow morning uh, would you expect the worst of all of that weather to have passed by uh, morning tomorrow? Oh yeah def- definitely yeah the worst of it will be uh, the rest of the weekend is not looking too bad um, just some showers on Saturday and maybe one or two showers on Sunday but we might even get away with a dry day on Sunday So if you're planning anything for the weekend that's outdoors based you would recommend Sundays being the best day to go? Yeah and in terms of temperatures over the weekend, I know we've got lots of wind and lots of rain. Uh, what do mm. you expect for temperatures? Um, reasonable enough, because the winds are coming from a south direction and southwest direction. So, you know, there'll be about um, seasonal average, maybe about 20 degrees. And lots of people obviously getting ready to send the children back to school. Maybe they've got stuff planned for next week, you know, the last uh, full week that the children have planned for school. Looking a little bit further ahead, uh, what's next week looking like? Yeah, a bit of a mixed bag. It, the winds will be kind of from the south, southwest so still quite mild so temperatures won't be too bad but you know we're still stuck in that kind of showery regime so not entirely dry but you know we get dry periods but some some showers as well and just finally Niall to ask you I mean we've had a very what I would describe as summer and very mixed can you remember a summer whereby it wasn't necessarily good weather all summer or indeed bad weather for big chunks I can't remember anything where it's been as up and down as it has been you know we had a great start to the summer up to about say the first three weeks of June and since then well actually August so far up until today has been quite you know not not too wet believe it or not in Kilkenny yet at, at any rate but but July yeah, was was very wet so yeah looking back I mean we've had we, we did have some very wet summers in the, in 2007-2008 uh, that period um, would probably be the last kind of wet summers that we've had uh, before this one so the worst of the weather due um, overnight tonight but uh, slightly better for the weekend Niall Dollard from Kilkenny Weather thanks for joining us on the show this morning and just to update you for that weather situation it's actually constantly changing Met Aaron have now updated some of those weather warnings to orange weather warnings so do stay tuned uh, we'll keep you updated with the weather forecasts right throughout the afternoon here on KCLR and speaking of which after this short break Una will be speaking to Paul Donoghue Carlo and Kilkenny's road policing inspector um, to give you some advice on, on travelling um, during those conditions all that on the way KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. Fairgreen.ie Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. 
Welcome back to KCLR Live 083 306 if you want to get in on any of our chat this morning or if you want to enter our competition for those heritage passes. Now as Brian just said the weather warning has been upgraded to an orange wind weather warning and I'm joined on the line by Paul Donoghue who is Carlo Kilkenny Police, Roads Policing Officer. Good morning to you Paul. Morning Una, how are you? I'm not too bad but I suppose I need you to give me a little bit of driving safety advice if we need to take to the roads this weekend should we avoid it and and if we must do it what what do you think we need to be aware of yes well Luna, i suppose this afternoon now we're, we're looking at rain first i suppose so um, and that's probably when people will be out i know the wind warnings are through the middle of the night when most people won't be on the roads but this evening now they, they can be flash flooding and stuff like that so um if you don't have to go somewhere i wouldn't go um you know i just stay at home and stay in out of it but if you are traveling it would be important, you know, especially on the motorways and that, to keep a, a, a farther distance away from the vehicle in front of you. Make sure you have your lights on is, is also vitally important. And make sure your vehicle is equipped for this weather. Make sure your tyres are good and your wipers are good. Um, but just reducing speed uh, really, you know, increases the increases our chances of less accidents on the road. So, um, you know, we'd ask all our, your listeners to just reduce their speed if they, if they happen to have to drive in this weather this evening in the rain. That's the big thing. And it's amazing how a tyre problem can go unnoticed until the slip on the roads becomes really dangerous, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. No, tyres are the most important thing. They're between you and the road, you know, they are the most important part of the car. Um, so, you know, you really need to check your tyres. And just looking at them from the outside of the tyres doesn't necessarily mean that they're OK. Mm-hmm. You really have to look in around the back of them and get down on your hands and knees and look at them or go to a, your tyre specialist and get them to check your tyres. But um, yeah, tyres are vitally important, and you know, especially in, in when we have rain in the summer like this, flash flooding. Yeah, timely to do it. T- tell me a little bit more about spot flooding or flash flooding, and what we have to watch out for to recognise it as we're driving. Yeah, well, if you look at the the recent few flash floods we've had, and we've had quite a few in Kilkenny now in the last number of weeks, where we've seen the city flooding uh, and accumulation of water. Just the drains couldn't take the water, so you will have accumulation of water. But that also causes problems then for motorists then because you can have what we call aquaplaning. So that when there's a surface of water uh, on the surface, uh, you know, a, a build-up of water. So it basically it means that the tire, it, the tires are nearly floating on the water. Um, it, it, you know, it, it can cause the tire to skid or, or, or roll along the top of the water. So they call it aquaplaning. So that's why we would say just reduce your speed um, and keep and don't be driving close in front of the vehicle in front of you. That's vitally important. But um, there could possibly be in around Kilkenny flash flooding again today. You know, the councils are ready for it, you know, because um, when we get this deluge, it, the drains just can't take away the water. Um, so really just drive nice and slowly through it. Um, but don't drive unless you have to and is the big thing. Okay. You know, if there's no need to go out there, don't go out there. Okay, well, that sounds like good advice. Paul, I did want to ask you as well about the numbers of the number of deaths that we've seen on the roads thus far. The first six months of this year were one of the worst that we've had for many, many years. Why do you think that is? Like, what are we doing so wrong? <coughs> I, they are, and we're having a really bad year with regards to road deaths, and a, a large number of them really are. We have an awful lot of pedestrians as well. <coughs> There's an awful lot of pedestrian deaths on our, on our roads, and even last year in Kilkenny. Um, so I suppose the big thing we're asking people if you're out on the roads, especially working on roads, you know, the amount of people I see on the roads not wearing high visibility vests, uh, not making themselves visible for the for the motorists. So you know, you shouldn't be walking on any public roadway without a high visibility vest. 
Um, that's that's a big thing. But speed, our lifesaver offences that we're always going on about um, is speed. Mobile phones um, have to have a large play in the amount of accidents on the roads, people on mobile phones, and that's what we're trying to enforce. And speed, and then drink and drug driving, obviously, are uh, big factors too with regards to road deaths. But uh, speed, to me, and mobile phones, Una, would be the two biggest factors, I think, um, people on mobile phones, the amount of people you see on the mobile phones every day of the week as you're driving your own car, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy what people are at. Um, and I think we can all attest to that. Why do you think we're not getting the message on that, though? Because the message about the drink driving or driving under the influence of whatever certainly seems to have been in a... F- it's, it's gotten there, I would say. The, the mobile phones one, very dangerous, and we don't seem to be getting that at all. Yeah, absolutely. Look at people. I don't know why, but people are, you know, people think they're being smart and they're keeping phones down below the window of the car. You know, the guards are out there and if they see someone on the phone, you will be prosecuted, you will receive a fine and penalty points. And how but many points people, is it? It's three penalty points. Uh, three penalty points for on your mobile phone now, the same as speeding. Um, but, you know, it's hard to, they are harder to detect for guards, you know what I mean? Because people will have the phone, will say below the window. and mm. But you know yourself when you're driving around, the amount of people, you can, you can tell from watching motorists that they're on their phones. You can see their eyes down instead of looking at the windscreen. But to um, be honest, Paul, very obvious. a lot of people don't try to hide it. That's what I find intriguing. They're having full-blown conversations beside you in traffic, which I think is is quite outstanding. It, yeah, it really makes yeah. it makes me wonder what 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 we're doing wrong in terms of messaging. But listen, thank yeah. you so much, Paul Donahue, uh, Carl Kilkenny, road yeah. policing officer, for your advice as we if we head out on the roads uh, this weekend. And, and as I, I suppose, say, and Una, might, might I just say to you, Una, just the last thing there, mm-hmm. because um, farmers are flat out for the last few days trying to get stuff done before the rain. So there's quite a lot of mud and muck on the roads, and which when it comes to rain this evening, that's going to make the road surface very dangerous. So just so when people are out in rural roads and that because there's been so much activity with the farmers, um, there will be muck on, on the roads and that. But when we get the rain on top of that, that's going to make the surface more slippy as well. So just be conscious of that when you're driving on the roads as okay. well. Thanks very much, Paul. Thanks, Una. Now it is Friday panel time and we're delighted to be joined in studio by Eric Durr, Vice President of Carlow College. Um, St. Patrick's and by Councillor Andrew McGuinness. Good morning, gentlemen. The Friday panel on KCL or live. With thanks to Poe Cali Hogan Lanigan, Kenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Gentlemen, you're welcome to studio. Thank Thanks very much for having us. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. You're always welcome. Now, I think we have to start with the Tubbs, I suppose, bombshell that was launched last night. What are your thoughts? I'll start maybe with you, Eric. I don't think it was a bombshell. <laughs> I think anybody who's been watching the story for the last number of years or last number, well, throughout the month, the summer months, uh, I guess personally, I never thought he would come back uh, to his radio show. So I guess I wouldn't call it a bombshell in that sense. That's interesting because I very much would. I thought he was definitely coming back and I thought last night that dumping, that very public dumping was quite sudden. Andrew, what were your thoughts? Um, I I didn't really expect him to come back, but I I, I did. um, I I was a little bit shocked when I I saw the articles uh, this morning. Um, I think that his own statement that he issued himself caused himself an awful lot of that first one uh, friction between himself and RTE. Um, but even you know coming in here this morning to to review the the papers and in the back of my mind I was thinking every single page on almost every paper today is Ryan Burdy. Mm. Uh, is there anything any other news 
in Ireland at the moment other than that because it's it's dragged on for uh, an extended length of time it's a an embarrassing highly embarrassing situation for everybody involved um, but I mean they need to get on with it and I, I think that RTE needs to do a hell of a lot of work to clean up their own uh, reputation at the moment. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I mean, you know, I think there's a couple of things to be said about that. For me, the key fact from last yesterday afternoon was Kevin Backhurst has absolutely set out his stall in terms of how he's going to proceed from here on in because not only did he deal very sharply with Ryan Turbody then in the end I mean I know conversations have been going on for a number of weeks but he also used the opportunity to lay a benchmark for others within that organisation by saying you know Ryan may have been coming back on an agreed 170,000 was the figure he mentioned but that's going to be the benchmark now for others and I thought it was very very interesting watching even some of the RT News and Current Affairs staff ask their boss but like when is this happening and he basically said when your contract is up for negotiations you are going to be getting different things is this the change that RTE needed do you think I think it is absolutely but I mean anyone listening to figures like 170,000 will say it's it's absolutely huge money mm. um, but yeah it's it's he's been very clear and concise in his own uh, statements and I think that's absolutely what's needed um, because we've all been kind of left in limbo in terms of wondering what's going to happen to Ryan Tuberty, what's going to happen with RTE, are they going to learn their lesson, um, is this huge amount of money that's been, been spent on, on different employees going to continue? So I think that it is absolutely needed that he came out like that. And I think it's the lesson piece that he was really insisting upon because he needed Ryan Tuberty to come out and say there was a bit of greedy negotiation going on there and I'm going to put my hand up and say that cannot go forward. Ryan didn't do that and I think very bravely and very cleverly, he said, no, this is not going to happen on my watch. And he faced the music. He faced the nine o'clock news. He faced primetime head on. And I thought did a good job in in drawing a line under what's gone on and giving us that little bit of confidence back that we badly needed, didn't we? But that's what had to happen. I mean, because, again, if he would have gave in, he would have to give in to everybody else. So you're coming in new start you have to lay the parameters and you have to move forward mm. um, and then it's again the next mo- next month the month after that it's the cleanup that's going to have to take place and it's the more reports that are going to come out but he has to hit the ground running and he has to show mm. he is changing the culture and he has but Eric do you not feel you know I mean you're president of Carlo College I mean being president and organising, running, being the head of any organisation is a huge huge responsibility you've got to do the right things but not just be seen to do the right things, carry out those actions. And there's no doubt about the fact that Kevin Backhurst is being seen to carry out those actions. But is it fair to Ryan Tuberty? I mean, maybe I'll put this question to, to Councillor McGuinness. Do you think there's any element here of RTE, the executive, the board, going, seems to be a bit of a pushback about Ryan. Maybe he's the weak fish in the pond at the moment and we'll lay the full blame at his door. I think that no matter what way you look at it, uh, RT had to make that move. They had to lead by example, if you like. And unfortunately for Ryan Tuberty, he's the he, he, he can no longer he's no longer uh, an, an employee there, or he's no longer going to be coming back to do his shows. But is it like he might find himself in a good position now? Because as was even referenced on on Morning Ireland this morning, the likelihood is that other players like News Talk and Virgin Media and others may now be knocking on Ryan Tuberty's door if that knock hasn't happened already and maybe Ryan's in a position where he's do you know what you're only offering me 170 grand I wanted to still have input and be able to put my point across you know what lads 
I've already got an offer on the table from Newstalk. I'm gone. Is he going to be a loss to RTE? I think he is going to be a loss. I mean, before all of, any of this controversy, um, Ryan, I mean, Ryan Tuberty was hugely popular among everybody. Um, and I think that that popularity is, has been definitely been tarnished. So I, I, I don't fully agree that everyone is going to be knocking on his door looking to give him a, a job and that the cards are going to be stacked in his favour in that way. I think that all of those news outlets are going to be looking at public opinion over the coming weeks mm. um, and analysing that. Um, but he had a very big audience. I mean, even if there's only 50% of that audience um, would be for Ryan, that 50% is a big chunk of an audience. Yeah, it's, it's still a huge number. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. It's the golden hour though, isn't it? And I don't think you can attribute those audience figures necessarily to Ryan Tuberty. He was a good broadcaster, no doubt about it, but he overplayed his hand and he didn't show humility that was badly needed. And actually, I don't think it was a fait accompli that he was gone. I think he would have been back had he shown the necessary amount of personal responsibility and accountability that but, Backhurst demanded of him. Yeah, but you know, I, th- I think it. there's an element of Ryan also probably feels wronged by the organisation. I... I I don't think he has the right to feel that, actually. Mm. I don't. And I also don't think that he's going to be getting all that many offers. Eric, what oh, do you I, think? No, I actually think he will get a lot do of you? offers. I think, yes, he might go for the rest of, you know, this calendar year. Uh, but ultimately, I do think he's going to have offers uh, coming into the next year. And I think he'll be quite successful and he will regain the trust of uh, the listeners or whoever else, uh, whatever platform he's uh, going to be on. But at the end of the day, coming back to your point about uh, I, I I don't think RTE is off the hook. I do think that oh, no, totally they agree. definitely have to uh, keep going, reorganize. There has to be accountability there. And I do think that there hasn't been accountability there. And I think in one regard, now that this turbidity issue has been dealt with, the problem that RTE may find themselves is they now don't have that shield of Ryan Turbidity. It's now, okay, well that's sorted. Now, back to the point at hand. Let's get this organisation restructured. And but I pe- think pe- people sorry. are going to be wondering what's next. Is there more to come? Mm. Mm. Um, and I'm sure RT are wondering that themselves and they, they'll have to make sure that they're uh, whiter than white going forward. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think Grand Thornton 1 and Grand Thornton 2 have both been done now. So I personally would be surprised if there's anything massive that hasn't come out yet, but it remains to be seen. To it, see. It's the Friday panel here on Casey Lawler. It's 24 minutes to 12 o'clock. Uh, we're joined in studio this morning by Councillor Andrew McGuinness and Eric Deere, President of nice. Carlo College <laughs> Safe Vice Pass. President. Given President. Promotion there, Brian. Have a <laughs> I've given you a promotion, have I? No, yeah, five Vice President. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, listen, we will continue our chats this morning and uh, we're going to be talking Trump um, and a warning from the American Embassy for uh, visitors coming to our shores so do stay tuned to KCLR Live KCLR KCLR Welcome back you are tuned to KCLR Live and we're doing our Friday panel the Friday panel on KCLR Live. With thanks to Paul Colley Hogan Lanigan, Kenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie. Councillor Andrew McGuinness and Vice President of Carlow College, Eric Durr, joining us in studio. Eric, you, you, you know that Trump is coming your way. You're an American sitting in a studio and we want to know what did you make of what happened this week and Trump's response to it? Well, there is fatigue setting in uh, by way of Trump, although I would say that the Georgia case is quite interesting in that um, it's potentially the most serious because, again, if he's elected president uh, and, let's say, was convicted in Georgia, uh, the pardon system, he can't pardon himself in that case. uh, And it's a very uh, 
strange pardon law that they have in Georgia. So he could potentially go to jail. <laughs> Can you explain that pardon law to us? Uh, well, the pardon law in Georgia is that um, typically it's only given after five years or a minimum sentence. So uh, he would serve time in most cases. And then there's a board, a petition to a board. Uh, and then the pardon would be granted or would not be granted after they've served uh, their time. So it's a bit different in state than it is federal, whereas, for example, the other federal cases, uh, there is a question uh, the Constitution does not, I mean, if he's elected president, he could easily stop the investigations, stop the, uh, the, the prosecution of those, or if he was convicted, also give a self-pardon. So federal, he has more latitude than he does, for example, in state. But is there not a good chance that none of this will have happened by the time the, the election, well, certainly by the time that the campaign kicks off, or indeed by the time we, we, they voted? Isn't that a fairly strong likelihood? Yeah, for example, the case in D.C., uh, related to the Electoral College count, uh, the prosecution or the government has tried to say January 2nd would be where that trial would start. Trump last night is, uh, is pushing for 2026. Uh, so, uh, you know, speedy trial and all of that. Uh, he's obviously, for most of his response, is to drag this out as long mm. as possible. And really, most people would argue that's why he ran for president a second time. Maybe, obviously, ego, but also um, it is his only... Uh, potential get out of jail for hard. And, and suppose that th that hasn't happened and, and he's running as a candidate. How is that going to affect the potential voters? Are some of them going to say you go Trump and, and it's going to actually make him more attractive as a prospect? That's a good question, because what you are seeing in polls is that when you get out of the primary, out of the the base that has he has 40 percent, per, perhaps, of the electorate that will not move from him. Um, it's the independent voters. It's your swing state um, voters, your big urban cities. You know, they often say the suburbs of Atlanta is going to be the suburbs of Philadelphia, Pittsburgh that are going to swing the election. It is a question on where those individuals go. And I think poll numbers at the moment are showing that, uh, you know, they have turned off from Trump. Uh, but at the moment, the Republican Party isn't standing up to Trump. And ultimately, uh, he is on the path to the nomination. Mm. Um, you also have that dynamic, though, of, uh, of uh, you know, going after your political appointment, because you have to keep in mind that the Department of Justice, um, you know, is a Democrat as president. Uh, yes, they are. These are special counsels. They're supposed to be that element of separation. But at the end of the day, um, you know, for uh, you can muddy the waters there. Yeah. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, that will be the I would say the, the key. But then you also have are people going to focus on the issues? You know, back in 1992, James Carville, uh, Clinton's uh, campaign, he said, it's about the economy, stupid. And ultimately, that, I think, yeah. is where it's going to lie. Eric Deere, uh, Vice President of Carlo College St. Patrick's. And should we also say, um, Democratic Party member in the US, somebody who campaigned for Joe Biden, somebody else in studio with us today who's got his very own strong political affiliations is uh, Councillor Andrew McGuinness, but not necessarily American political affiliations. What's your thought on Trump? Uh, well, he's certainly provided us a hell of a lot of entertainment over the years, that's for sure. <laughs> and he has a, a, an incredible ability to keep himself in the centre of attention, whether it's good, bad or indifferent. 
Um, and is that the sign of a good politician? I, <laughs> if you're asking me, if, if you're if you're indirectly <laughs> asking me to say that Donald Trump is a good politician, my answer is no. I don't agree with that statement at all. Well, a good politician is an elected politician. I mean, I think that's that's the beginning and no, end. No, I don't. Really. I don't know whether I would agree. It's a good politician. We've had many bad elected politicians. I would argue. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A good politician is a politician that does his work honourably for the people that he represents. He or she represents in my view I think there's a uh, difference between being good at politics which is probably the point that Una's trying to no, make and being good at politics yeah. uh, being a good politician your own yeah. measure of success is that you're elected and in his case potentially re-elected that's how you measure your success Andrew I'm uh, sure well you I suppose you, you can say that but I mean if you're asking me do I respect him as a politician no I do not um, he has gotten elected obviously and he has a, a command over a huge percentage of the electorate and mm. I suppose that's a, a success in in his eyes, or you could say a political success. But the reality is that uh, it's absolutely shocking uh, what's going on. I've never, I don't think anyone has ever seen anything like this in in recent history. And it's just uh, I, watching it as a as a, an outsider looking in from Ireland. It's just amazing that he's still there. He's still a front runner in the Republican Party for the nomination, and the likelihood of him being the next president is pretty high. Yeah. Eric, would you agree with Una's statement that a good politician is one that gets elected or would you have uh, different viewpoints on that? No, I have different viewpoints on all that. Obviously, that's the, the you know, yes, that's what politicians are trying to do mm. is get elected. But I think have we moved away from, you know, in America, we tend to, I would like to think, vote for, uh, we used to vote for politician rather than political party and that was a culture shock coming here to be honest was you're voting almost for the political party rather than the politician and I would split my vote this was the last election you'd split your vote between Biden and Trump no no last election was the first time when I was voting that I didn't just uh, vote I voted uh, for both political parties what I meant like that for example in the Iowa Chuck Grassley who's the 89 year old senator (laughs) was we'll get to that point in a moment (laughs) Well, that was the point I was actually going to come in on, was this idea of what to say about the Democrat Party. You know, I volunteered for Joe Biden in 2008 in my hometown of Burlington, leading up to the Iowa caucuses. Uh, and I I met him, I actually sat next to Hunter Biden at uh, his campaign rally. Um, the Joe Biden today, I mean, there is, you know, uh, he is slowing down. Um, so let's, let's deal with that point. How can we have a situation where a superpower, that's what the U.S. is, a country that size with so many politicians, so many you know people in its population, and yet we're left for the second time with a debate between whether Donald Trump in all his pomp and ceremony or Joe Biden, maybe a man of good standing and good stature who has done fabulous work in his political career in the past, but yet aging and, as you said, slowing down. How can they be the only two choices, realistic choices, uh, uh, for the American people to decide between? Well... I mean, you could go back to, there are turning points. I think the big one is the element of dark money in American politics, super PACs, PACs. Uh, you, you essentially have to have, you know, cl- nearly a billion dollars to run for president. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that money behind you. So it's very difficult for upstarts to get uh, that. You also don't have term limits. You have politicians going back to like my f- senator in the state of Iowa, Chuck Grassley, 89, elected. Mm. And he is now basically setting up his grandson uh, to take over. Um, And that ultimately, I think, feeds into that. So... 
just just on that point, do you think there should be an age limit after which you are no longer allowed to run in these elections? <laughs> no, I don't think there should be an age limit. I think anybody, because age in today's standards is relative. I mean, at the end of the day, um, but what I would say is, what does it say about American democracy that our best choices are both Donald Trump, 76, Biden, I think, is 80 at election. You know, at the end of the day, what does that say? Mm. And what does it say about the politics or the parties yes, that they are part. not promoting younger mm. generations coming through yeah. the system? But it, it says that money talks. That's, that's it does. exactly what it says. And it, it's so limiting for anybody with genuine desire to get into the political game and to do better. And I think it's I, I think it's shocking. I, I said this on the panel a couple of weeks ago that I find it just unfathomable that this is where we are all these years later we've seen everything Trump had to offer we have seen all the little things that the money was paid out on all these rumours all these charges and this is where we still are it is as you said Andrew it's just shocking it is and I I don't think the issue is uh, in age limit because at the end of the day it's the electorate that will decide as you say as you said earlier I, the you, that will as a member of one of our big political dynasties here in the county I think you know John and Eugene are probably quite happy to hear you saying that age is not an, a limit to, to politics yeah, well I don't know what Eugene might say but I know what John might say <laughs> John is far uh, from the ages we're talking about but anyway but. It, it, I don't believe that age is the issue I believe that spend is the issue mm. the amount of money that a candidate can spend on an election campaign as you said in, in, in America if you want to run for president you have to have millions behind you and that puts, you know, so many people out of the uh, the equation and make makes it an impossible feat for most people to run uh, in an election. In Ireland, in terms of local elections and general elections, you have to have a spend limit to be able to give everybody that wants to represent their communities, their county, their city, the opportunity to be able to put themselves forward mm-hmm. at election time. OK, Andrew, I know you have to leave. You might ask Eric to stay with us just while we take this short break. Back in a bit. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlow with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie The Friday Panel on KCL or Live Thanks to Polk Alley Hogan Lanigan, Kenny's leading law firm. See a full list of our services at pkhl.ie now, Councillor Andrew Guinness had to leave us, but Eric Jarrett, the Vice President of Carlow College, is still with us. So we're taking all our American little questions that we have, Eric, and we're going to pose them today. I wanted to ask you about the US Embassy warning in relation to the recent, I suppose, crime that has happened in Dublin and the fact that they felt the need to warn students. How do you think that's going to affect... See, we'll start with the student body that you would deal with that are coming into to Ireland. Yeah, well, most of the uh, our students, they register with the U.S. Uh, uh, embassy and get all those warnings via email. So they will be aware of the warning when they're coming over. Um, but when you actually look at the alert, it is practical advice. Um, and it's advice that we would give to the students at induction and orientation. So we have students arriving on the 1st of September from the United States from various parts. Um, and they will have a whole week of induction and orientation. And we'll go through that um, because I think for many Americans, 
they assume this is an English-speaking country, therefore it's very similar to the United States. Um, and what we stress is uh, it is a different country. Uh, you have to be more aware of your surroundings. Um, and really, uh, we walk them through. You know, don't go out late at night by yourself. Always tell somebody where you're at. All of those practical mm. uh, things. And that's really what the alert uh, was, was saying. Now, there is the kind of the international, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess, question on will that hurt Ameri uh, Irish tourism? Will Americans choose not to go to Ireland? I don't think it'll have a significant impact, uh, to be honest, on Ireland. Um, it's still, if they were to go on to the State Department website, it'd still be a level one uh, normal, you know, advisory that most countries would have. So, um, to and be do honest, you think I it was a necessary alert? Was it a good thing that they did? I know that their intentions were good, obviously, but was it a necessary warning? I think from the standpoint that it's always good to uh, to alert tourists that they're in a foreign country uh, and that they can't maybe behave the same as they would um, at home and just take those extra precautions, you know, by way of how much money you're carrying, uh, by way of where you're going, you know, those practical um, advice. And again, these this is advice that we give our students. Mm. And was there, was there any sort of regionalization of the warning? Did they particularly, you know, reference, for example, the case that we've heard of recently up in Dublin? Um, or was it a general blank warning for if you're going to Ireland, don't act the way you do at home. Be very careful. Yeah, it was a general warning. Um, it did say, though, that there was increased uh, uh, elements of violence against tourists. Um, so it, that was kind of the precursor. And then it went into these. This is the practical steps that you can take. And would the U.S. Foreign Office do this type of thing often with with you know, tourist information and advice going abroad. Because, I mean, I, I have never, for example, um, you remember, you know, New York, for example, back in the late 70s, early 80s, wouldn't have had the greatest reputation in the world. But I've never heard a, an Irish friend of mine say, oh, that time back in 1982 when I went against governmental advice and, you know, sort of travelled and took my own risks heading to New York. But I guess my question is, does the Irish government, do you go on to the website before you go to a country and see what the travel warning no, is? No, but did they issue this warning? I mean, I think the difference is, I mean, whatever about the information being there on a website for somebody to, to make their own decision and research on travelling to a particular country in the same way that you might if you're going to Asia say well, I wonder do I need malaria injections before I go there I'll check that out I think it's a big difference between an individual doing their own research and a government actually putting out a travel advisory yeah, but again, if you go on to the State Department website, they have every country they list and they have all the different warnings and they have a link you can click on and you can read that. So, for example, I am linked to the U U.S. Embassy here in Dublin. I did receive the email in my email box, uh, but I also receive an email in my email box every time there's a protest up in Dublin to say stay away from that area or if there's a protest somewhere else in the country, stay away from that area. So those alerts are normal um, in that for us U.S citizens living in Ireland if you're registered yeah. you do get them via, via email okay so I guess I guess we worry that it might have a more dramatic impact than 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 you think it will we just had a group here from South Dakota for the last week um, enjoyed their time it never came up in conversation um, the group was there <laughs> Please don't bring it up in conversation with any of your American friends <laughs> we want to keep all the tourists we can coming into Kilkenny and Carlo we do and do you think that you know going forward we will continue to students coming over to Ireland as we have in, in all the years that have gone oh yeah I think yeah. Ireland is a very popular destination uh, for American students the perception uh, hasn't changed not, uh, not even in relation to that but more generally in recent years 
No, the perception hasn't changed. Uh, you know, we often have at the end of the program, uh, they do my Irish experience PowerPoint presentation. One of the first two first slide is what were your preconceived notions or perceptions of Ireland and then how has that been more nuanced as you've been here for uh, a month or you know a semester um, and you get the same <laughs> by way and of pre the the what they think of Ireland green changed, yeah. uh, you know Guinness all of those things um, we like to think they leave with a bit more than the they green do. And the Guinness. that's what You've the Irish experience is all about <laughs> for a long time Eric and I'm sure I'd love to get into this but we haven't got time but you have seen a lot of change no doubt over the course of your time here Better or worse? For better or for worse? Oh, for better. Um, I often get to question the students, well, how have you been in Ireland for so long? Uh, and I often say, or would you ever go back to the U.S.? And I would say no. Yeah. I, you know, the way of life here, the quality of life here, uh, it, it's... For me personally, it's much better. It's not getting more like what you left behind, though, is it? No. no. Um, I know that I the think Irish it's a thing long it way away from that yet, in all honesty, really. really. Like, we still have the Rosie Tralee Festival. You know, we're, we're not many complete. many of those to be seen in certain states in I'm the US. I'm from Iowa, so at the end of the day, you're a similar, miles similar. away from <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, and listen, I mean, I know you've been here in Ireland for a, a number of years. Have you ever had a chance to watch the Rosa Tralee Festival? I have not. Okay, well, there you go. This is but I have uh, Eurovision. You've done <laughs> has that. It's something that I was told to watch, and I begrudgingly <laughs> watched it. I can't turn begrudgingly. away. Begrudgingly? Yeah, it's... Well, here's one for you. The Americans have actually taken Eurovision on, believe it or not. They have now bought the format and are run a very similar competition in the US between the various states. So okay. there doesn't seem to be too much begrudging going on over our fabulous Eurovision uh, song contest. Uh, Eric there, President, Vice President of Carlo College St. Patrick's. Uh, thanks for joining us on the panel this morning. Um, and although he's had to head off, Andrew McGuinness, Councillor here also with us this morning okay um, that's about all we have time for I think we've got to <laughs> yeah, we've got to say salam to, to everybody this morning it's been great to be with you all week Unani Bodanik and Brian Redmond KCLR, KCLR Live even signing out for the week we will see you next Monday just one thing we've got to do before we head off is to announce the winner of oh, the yes. second uh, voucher for the uh, those sites, those um, what's they, what they call again? The, the, the heritage, the heritage sites, the OPW. Site, the OPW. There, the word, the letters Gift I was cards, looking yes. for. Uh, this hour, it is Billy Crook from Waterford Road in Kilkenny who correctly identified St Canice's Cathedral as being the site of interest. This hour, uh, pleasure having your company all week. Doing it, we'll be back again on Monday morning, live and fresh from ten o'clock. Slongerful. KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie.